Welcome to the Perimenopausal Mamas Podcast for hormonal mamas who want to reclaim their own natural state of health to thrive and raise healthy kids. I'm Dr. Lisa Weeks, naturopathic doctor in Toronto, Canada. I'm a perimenopausal mama to my toddler named Stuart. And I'm Dr. Tony Reed. I'm a naturopathic doctor, birth doula, and hypnobirthing educator in Calgary, Alberta. And I'm a perimenopausal mama to my little girl, Frankie. The information in this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only. It is not meant to substitute professional medical advice. Always consult with your licensed healthcare provider. Welcome back, everyone, to the Perimenopausal Mamas podcast. Today, we're going to talk about an issue that a lot of perimenopausal women suffer from, which is migraines. So some people may actually start to experience migraines in perimenopause when they haven't had them before, because the hormones are all over the map. Um, and usually the hormone changes can trigger uh, a migraine and pain. So today, we're going to get into the causes of migraines. And Dr. Tony is actually going to share her personal experience. Experience because she had suffered through them and found support and relief, which is really great. So she's going to share her experiences there. And then we'll get into some conventional treatments and then some natural treatments as well. But just to be aware, women account for 75% of the 36 million people in the US who experience migraines, which is really, really high. So before puberty, males have the highest frequency of migraines. But after puberty, because of those hormonal shifts, women are the major sufferers. And in my practice, and I believe in Dr. Tony's practice too, we do treat a lot of women with migraines and headaches. And I don't think I have seen any males with migraines, maybe males who get the occasional headache, but it definitely is a big issue for women. And one thing that does come up is a lot of women who suffer from migraines almost have been made to feel like it's in their head or it's their fault because they're not handling stress well, but there actually are physiological changes that trigger migraines and there are treatments to help as well. It's a complicated, uh, there's complicated triggers for migraines. So we're going to try to unpack it in a simple way and give you some tangible things that you can discuss with your healthcare practitioner. Um, so Dr. Tony, I think you're uh, ready to share your experience as a migraine sufferer in the past. Yeah, I, you know, I really think my migraines are probably like the biggest reason why I became a naturopathic doctor because of kind of the journey that I went on with, with really trying to kind of unpack my migraines and asking the question why. Um, thankfully, uh, I didn't have um, the experience that unfortunately a lot of women do in terms of, um, you know, not, not feeling validated by their doctors about their migraines. Um, how, you know, it was, it was kind of a really a simple um, simple experience for me to get diagnosed with migraines. Um, I'll, you know, I'll never forget having my first migraine in, uh, when I was a teenager, I'll never forget. It was like grade nine English class. I actually started to have an aura. So with my migraines, um, they were associated with an aura. So I would get kind of flashing lights in, um, in my vision before the headache started, which was kind of handy for me to, to know that I had to, 
um, that I was going to be dealing with a migraine instead of just the pain coming on. Um, and I mean, once that happened more than, than once, I uh, went to a family doctor and she diagnosed them as migraines right away. Um, so there was no question um, for me what was going on. And, and I, thankfully, I was never made to feel like, you know, it was my fault or, or you know, it was something that I was necessarily doing. Um, and, and um, you know, unf unf unfortunately or fortunately for me, I mean, she she the first thing, you know, she prescribed was some Tylenol 3, some T3s. And, and in my case, it didn't make a difference. Um, you know, I was having, you know, fairly severe migraines, um, where, you know, after that aura of about half an hour, I would be getting, you know, really, a, an extreme kind of stabbing pain, one sided on my temple and behind my eye, I had like the classic sensitivity to light and noise. So I just would have to go lie down, try and sleep it off. Um, after a while, I would get um, some pretty severe nausea, and it would then turn into vomiting too. And, you know, they would last for a few hours, usually, I'd be able to kind of um, sleep it off, and it would decrease or, or be gone by the next day. But I would feel pretty like dopey and foggy the next day, and sometimes the next couple of days after. Um, thankfully, I wasn't getting them really frequently but you know uh, it was kind of off and on and some months I would get like three or four in a month and uh, those of you out there who have experienced migraines like know how debilitating that is and how it could really interfere with life in a whole host of ways um and that can really be uh, a huge issue for for women but then especially moms too um, how do you manage work and looking after your family and looking after yourself while you're experiencing migraines? It, it really just, it doesn't work. Um, so, you know, when I first started getting migraines, uh, you know, of course, it made sense to, to just, again, take a painkiller. But, you know, T3s didn't do anything. Advil didn't do anything. And for me, just thinking about uh, my um, my migraines, especially at the time being a teenager, yeah, they were severe. And in my mind, they weren't frequent enough to look at um, trying a bunch of other medications or taking a medication on a daily basis. I really, I didn't want to deal with any side effects that could come up um, from that. And, and it just also really didn't fit with, you know, my, my philosophy and just how I wanted to take care of things already. You know, when I was a teenager, I was, I was already at the mindset of, of really asking the question why, and really not just taking a medication, but really looking at, um, the figuring out the cause of it at figuring out why now, you know, where I didn't have migraines before and also, you know, why was I experiencing migraines? None of my friends were having migraines. Um, so just really kind of digging deeper. And, and I know that, you know, that was uh, my personal choice. And for some people, they um, looking into different um, prescription medications um, does make sense for them at least to um, get some relief while figuring out what else could be going on. 
For sure. That's a very naturopathic approach. You were have you had that philosophy even when you were in high school. So that's amazing. So for for that time, Tony, what would you do then? Would you just like sleep it off and then like go to bed and just wait till it was gone? Yeah, basically, that that was about it. Just mm-hmm. just, um, you know, the the aura was um, was handy, because I knew that once it started, I just needed to get home and go to bed. And that was all that I could do. Um, so, uh, you know, I remember it, um, um, you know, happening um, at work when I was um, when I was younger. So I'd, you know, have the aura and then be like, okay, I got to get home. I got to, you know, I got to leave or, um, or again, interfering with school, um, not being able to take certain exams. I'll never, I'll never forget uh, having missed a a physics exam and having to go in and write the exam again. And, and my physics teacher was like, oh, sure, you had a migraine. And it's like, yeah, I wasn't making that up. I still had to write the test. <laughs> you know, oh, it geez, wasn't like yeah. it, it wasn't like it was beneficial for me to have the migraine. So no, I think that uh, yeah. just represents yeah the misunderstanding about how severe and debilitating it is. I think people can even get you know disability coverage for them. You know, days off work, um, and that should be recognized. And I do remember my mom would get migraines too as my sister and I were growing up, and she was you know very active, did so much for the family you know, my dad was working a lot, but when the migraine hit, she just had to go to bed, turn the lights off, put a cold cloth on her forehead. We had to be, you know, quieter in the house. It just knocked her out. So it was really tough to see something like that, you know, take over um, my mom's energy and mood level. She would just have to shut down. But luckily for her, when she went through, I think several reasons helped her to heal. But when she went through menopause, uh, that really made a difference as well as when she started to to cut out dairy. I think cheese was a big trigger for her, as well as um, when she incorporated taking some natural anti-inflammatories like fish oil. So with migraines, it can be multifactorial. So for her, I think that was the perfect combination, but we'll get into some of the causes and natural treatments afterwards. Um, but Tony, you said, yeah, for you, the drugs didn't work, right? So the, yeah. you know, the Tylenol, the NSAIDs, so the non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs like naproxen, or Advil just might not help. And the side effects can be real, right? So you may affect your liver, your kidney with different drugs. Um, A common medication that used is are the tryptans, so a class of medications um, that constrict the blood vessels. So migraines can be caused by a vasodilation, so the blood vessels get larger in your head, and that can press on nerves and affect their signaling. So the tryptans help to constrict those vessels. Also, caffeine can be a big savior for some people, but people can feel really off with the tryptans. Um, they can make you feel, you know, dizzy. You can actually feel nauseous from them, really heavy, like your body. You can feel kind of out of it. But for some people, they do work and they know when they need to take it. Um, Another conventional category of drugs includes antidepressants. So serotonin can be lowered when people have migraines. So taking antidepressants to give you basically serotonin can help reduce that pain, that inflammation as well. Um, So that's another category that some people may try. Birth control, if it's more menstrual migraines, some people will actually get migraines though when they start the birth control and they need to figure out what dose of, you know, does it need to be a lower dose of estrogen, for example. So for some people, it may help if they're getting migraines, but some people may start to get migraines when they take the birth control pill. 
Um, we've heard more about people getting Botox injections. They usually have to try several other drugs first, uh, but if that doesn't work, every few, I think it's every two or three months, they get the um, botulinum toxin from bacteria basically injected. So it helps to prevent the pain um, signals, I believe, from you know firing or communicating. So it's basically kind of like numbing those areas and it can last a few months. Uh, there's also a new drug, I might say it wrong, lesmiditin. I think that's how you say it, right, Tony? That's, that I sounds actually, about right. I hadn't actually heard about it. You told me about it. But. Yeah. And, and again, you know, there's new medications and definitely, you know, we're not experts on them, but, you know, it's nice to know that there's, there's still different, um, at least conventional um, options out there too. For sure. Um, but you were, yeah, you let me know, but the lasmiditan acts on the serotonin receptor, so that can help with the pain. And then there's a new um, therapy, either through injection or IV. It's called a CGRP monoclonal antibodies. So calcitonin gene related peptide. I know it's a mouthful. Uh, basically, it's inhibitor of that peptide. So that helps um, when you inject it, it neutralizes that CGRP that can be released when there's a migraine and that can cause a lot of pain and inflammation. Um, about 20% of people that get those injections, so those are monthly, they can be super responders. So it does help a subset of migraine sufferers. 30% of people, it can cut the number of days that they have a migraine in half, but then 50% of people that have used it, it has little to no effect. So it's always a trial and error thing with anything, with the drugs, with natural therapies, of course, with guidance, with your medical health care practitioner, but there's no one size fits all because migraines are such a complicated um, beast, if you will. And then Tony, did you want to talk about some of the devices that they're yeah. using? I mean, again, it's that idea of like, it's not a one size fits all. There's still lots of research still being done uh, to to provide options for people. Um, I mean, I, I'm not, I'm definitely not a, an expert, but I have heard of different devices that have been approved by the FDA in the States um, that use different electrical pulses, magnetic pulses. I mean, they're even doing studies on ketamine, um, you know, a, um, a, a tranquilizer that has been used um, or has been studied also for depression. Um, but also, I mean, they're still doing research on lifestyle modification. It, it, it really is a, still about figuring out migraines. There's so much still that we don't know um, about it. And, um, and, and that's, you know, uh, was a, a big piece for, for me in kind of figuring things out for myself. Um, you know, of course, there's the idea of, of again, using medications or, or, or um, again, just to, just to get, you know, a, an easy, quick fix. And sometimes it's just not that simple. Because um, even, you know, something like Botox sounds like, sounds like a, a great option. But there are still people who don't um, get the relief from Botox injections either. So what else is going on? And that's, uh, you know, definitely um, kind of my approach as a naturopathic doctor. And that was my approach personally as well. Um, one of the the first things that, that I looked at uh, doing when I was getting my migraines and really starting to look at, okay, 
can I figure out what is causing my migraines? You know, I was doing a diet diary. I was trying to really look for, you know, really clear triggers, but uh, I really couldn't figure it out. I, I couldn't make sense of it. I would, um, you know, there were certain things that I ate that were fine, you know, one week and not great the next week. Um, I also was, you know, tracking my menstrual cycles. There was no link as to, you know, I, I wasn't necessarily getting um, migraines, you know, before my period. I wasn't getting premenstrual migraines on a regular basis. Um, living in Southern Alberta, we definitely have really specific weather patterns. We have Chinook winds that can affect a lot of people. And, um, and I definitely deal with a number of patients who, uh, who uh, come in with uh, Chinook migraines, but that wasn't the case for me. Um, so while I was trying to figure things out, um, I had read about uh, the herb feverfew. It does have some anti-inflammatory properties to it. And for me, it made sense to use a herb on a daily basis. It, it just, um, it felt right. I, it didn't have any side effects. I didn't um, feel worse taking it. Um, so, you know, I did start taking it daily and noticed after a while, it really reduced the, the frequency that I was experiencing my migraines and it reduced the severity of my migraines too. So yeah, I got to a point where I didn't vomit with each migraine, which was amazing. <laughs> um, it was a nice little win. Um, I, you know, definitely after a few years, I started kind of playing around with, um, with kind of cleaning up my diet, doing different cleanses and that kind of thing. I didn't find that that um, made a huge change for me. So, you know, as a teenager, as a young adult, going into my 20s, um, uh, for years, I was still experiencing the, these kind of <laughs> debilitating interruptions in my life when it came to exams, when it came to um, uh, hanging out with my friends, you know, going to movies. Even um, I remember one day being in the car ready to go for a hike, going down to, to Waterton National Park with, with a good friend of mine. And uh, we were picking up some, some snacks for the the for the hike and after we went shopping my aura started so it was like sorry I have to go home we can't go for our hike and and that just was not fun it, it sucked um so uh, so I still was looking at um really delving into um diet more figuring out food sensitivities. And especially at, when I started um, going to um, the Canadian College of Naturopathic Medicine to, to uh, uh, study naturopathic medicine, um, I was really kind of delving into that more, um, uh, more in depth. Um, that's also where I started taking magnesium on a regular basis. So I switched from taking feverfew to taking magnesium. Magnesium, of course, one of my favorite um, nutrients, one of my favorite supplements, um, because so many of us are magnesium deficient. Um, it's a natural muscle relaxant and nervous system relaxant too. I also uh, was playing with CoQ10 on and off. That's, that's also a nutrient that's um, regularly recommended for, for migraines. However, especially at that time, it was um, definitely ex more expensive than magnesium and not really wildly, widely available. So I, I wasn't really regular with that. And I started to really get regular with magnesium. I also reduced my caffeine intake. 
not that I was a regular coffee drinker, but I just decided um, I had read about that idea of, of uh, eliminating caffeine and then being able to use caffeine as a treatment when a migraine came on. So I started doing that with, you know, some effectiveness kind of off and on. I think the idea is right. If you have too much of the caffeine, you can either, it doesn't work anymore, or you can get like rebound, like you can get headaches from taking too much of some of the migraine medications or too much caffeine too. So it's like the right dose at the right time. Yeah, it definitely can be worth it to really kind of play around with that for sure. And yeah, I mean, if if someone was drinking coffee on a regular basis, then you couldn't necessarily use more caffeine to try and, and, and treat the headache. So it, it is kind of about playing around with that too. Yeah. Um, I was uh, I was really fortunate when I was in Toronto going to to school that I had a really great family doctor. Um, oh, I went to her and our first visit, she detected that I had a heart murmur, um, and sent me uh, to uh, get it get tested, get an echocardiogram, um, so kind of an ultrasound of the heart, and um, and that uh, came up. Uh, and detected uh, a mild heart murmur uh, called a mitral valve prolapse, which is um, one of the most common heart murmurs and doesn't create a, a lot of issues. Um, but I, I found it really interesting that that came up because, I mean, I remember as a child years earlier, I went to see a naturopathic doctor who did tell me that I had a slight heart murmur, but no other doctor said anything about it. Um, and I had never gotten any testing for it. So it wasn't confirmed until um, this family doctor uh, did it. So uh, that's where I did some more reading and saw a research study that did confirm a link between um, people who had mitral valve prolapse and had increased um, frequencies of migraines. Uh, again, for me, that connection with the magnesium really made sense because the heart being a muscle and if it was working harder, then the potential for a higher demand of magnesium um, could really uh, be the case. And the with that increased demand of magnesium could really use up magnesium easily and create more of a magnesium deficiency, um, which could then impact blood vessels. Um, but it can also impact nerves too. You know, that idea of migraines being um, an issue with blood vessel constriction or dilation or um, nerve irritation or, or the, the irritation of the trigeminal nerve too. Um, so, so that I found was, was really interesting. And again, that's even something that uh, isn't necessarily looked at really closely. And I find that even um, I probably could do a better job also of really screening my patients with, with headaches to see, um, you know, if they have any heart murmurs as well. Uh, another piece that I really found uh, potentially important for me um, back then, but definitely now, is looking at my my structural alignment of, of my neck. Um, so when we were in school, I volunteered for an upper, upper neck adjustment. Um, 
And, uh, and that really potentially made a, a huge difference. So I find that sometimes when I notice that, um, you know, uh, my, uh, my occiput or, or really the, the top of the back of my neck kind of um, has a lot of tension, sometimes, uh, you know, uh, an adjustment or two by a chiropractor can really be helpful. Um, even lately, or, or more recently, uh, I found that my neck was out, I didn't go to the chiropractor, I did kind of have um, more of a, a mild migraine that came on. Um, you know, so, so that was definitely another option for me. I, however, you know, again, I was still getting migraines. I'll, I'll never forget kind of being at in fourth year in our clinical year, I was at, you know, I was in downtown um, Toronto at one of the satellite clinics that, um, that we did uh, go to as interns. And I remember a migraine coming on. I went back to the school. I lived in residence. So I was on the subway. I was suffering by the time I got to the, the clinic. Oh, I remember <laughs> lying on the table, just like writhing in pain. It was not fun. Um, and thankfully, uh, a classmate of mine, um, who I was seen as an as an intern um, was on a rotation with one of our uh, one of our supervisors who was uh, a real expert in acupuncture. So he told her about an acupuncture protocol. Um, she started putting in needles in my head, and then she went and my hands, and then she went down to put needles in my feet. But even before she put the needles in my feet, the headache was gone. There was no more pain. Acupuncture, um, yeah, can be amazing, right? So it can it's so be powerful and can be fantastic. really quick. Mm-hmm. Oh, it can be really quick. So, um, and I had had acupuncture before for my migraines before that wasn't effective. So, uh, again, sometimes it's just certain points um, and and certain um, acupuncture um, uh, protocols that are used that can be really um, really effective. So, uh, I mean, I've continued to use that. Um, or I continued to use that for years for really, again, acute treatment. Um, something else that I found helpful for me was even using hydrotherapy or water as therapy. So uh, cold um, cloth or ice on the forehead, but also the back of my neck and a hot foot bath. And I found that was really helpful, maybe not necessarily for taking away the headache, but uh, I found that when I did that, I wasn't as kind of dopey, foggy, um, kind of um, uh, having a migraine hangover the next day. And that um, uh, for me was worth it to spend, you know, uh, 20 minutes, half an hour, an hour kind of, you know, just lying there with with cold and, and hot and using that. Um, sometimes, you know, uh, peppermint oil on on temples um, can be helpful for, for people. And, and I, I've definitely used that in the past as well, just... Um, uh, but that tends to be for kind of, uh, I find more of the mild headaches too. Um, uh, overall, for me, I really started to notice that what was really key was to stay below my threshold of my personal threshold of stress and garbage in my body. And, you know, we can talk more about it kind of, for me, it encompasses all of the possible causes of of migraines, um, in a sense. Um, 
for me, I find that even now, I'll still kind of laugh about this with my chiropractor. Um, when there are times when I'm not sleeping well, when I'm not well hydrated, when I'm taking in more sugar or alcohol or fake food, when I'm indulging in my food sensitivities or the foods that I know don't work well for me, um, when there's more stress or when, again, I'm not necessarily paying attention to my physical body or really taking care of my structural alignment, especially in my neck, um, that's when I will typically um, get migraines. So it is about keeping on top of it and, and doing that work on a daily basis to really do the care and the self-care that I know that my body needs. Um, and, and that is where it's been really the most effective for, for me. Now, has that also has made, uh, has it made a difference in going into perimenopause and um, being pregnant and having those hormone shifts as well? Maybe, maybe that's been the case for me as well. Um, and for me, I, I really find that idea of looking at what causes inflammation for me and, and even looking at brain inflammation, and we can talk a little bit more about that, uh, that um, for myself. And it's something that I look at with a lot of patients, even just starting with, again, what foods are right for you, what foods aren't so good for you. Um, and that can make a, a, a huge difference for some people, or at least, you know, start making a difference people. Yeah, thanks for sharing that, uh, Tony. It definitely shows that uh, that migraines can be multifactorial. It's hard to pinpoint the cause in a lot of cases. It's not just one thing. You know, you were really good about tracking your diet and when you got them, you know, things that can obviously aggravate it, but it sounds like you have some tools up your sleeve like magnesium, acupuncture, you know, keeping up with your sleep, your hydration, eating well and avoiding food sensitivities. So I think this gives people hope that there are lifestyle changes that add up and can really reduce the frequency um, and the severity of the migraines. And you were mentioning yeah, the muscle tension. Another area where people can have a lot of muscle tension is in the jaw. So there can be that trigeminal nerve um, has... Um, like has pieces that go through or by the jaw muscles. So if people are grinding their teeth at night, which can be stress-related, structural-related, they can have more migraines too. So sometimes you need a release of the jaw, whether through an osteopath, chiropractor, massage therapist, or acupuncture, that can make a difference. And hydrotherapy, we're realizing, is so powerful, right? Like the new, fa the new fad now, well, I guess it's been a few years, is cryotherapy. So people are voluntarily going into these cold rooms or immersing themselves in ice baths for you know a specified amount of time because it really does reduce pain and inflammation and helps with sports recovery so you said you felt less drowsy and groggy after that so there is something to it so even just ending your shower in cold water or using those cold compresses can really i think make a difference for people as well um, but you've given us a lot of potential you know additive factors that can contribute to migraines. I'm trying to think if we missed anything. Like I think, well, the you were talking about the brain inflammation. And yeah. when we don't sleep, we actually um, have an increase in inflammation in the brain because we have what's called the glymphatic system. We talk about sleep on episode four. So if you need help getting a better night's sleep, definitely check that out. But if you're not getting enough sleep or a good quality sleep, which is happening for a lot of people right now with the stress of the 
coronavirus pandemic, your brain's going to have more inflammation. You're going to wake up more foggy because this lymphatic system, it can't, it's basically the sewer system of the brain related to our lymphatic system of the rest of the body, but your brain can't clear out the debris and the inflammatory products that we naturally produce as a part of metabolism throughout the day. So it is going to impact um, your ability to focus, but also potentially the increase, uh, there could be an increase in migraines or headaches as well. For sure. And, you know, there's the idea of um, physical stress, but also that emotional, psychological stress that we can go through on a day-to-day basis. And, you know, especially, you know, as we're recording now, you know, experiencing this pandemic, there's a, you know, there's a lot more stress, there's a lot more worry, there's a lot more anxiety and fear going on. And that stress definitely has an impact on our physical bodies in terms of our hormone imbalances, but also again, creating some of that inflammation, which then can manifest in a lot of people in different pain, uh, different ways of experiencing pain, especially headaches and migraines. Definitely. And then, yeah, the hormonal changes with perimenopause, they're typically cortisol is higher. You know, estrogen can be fluctuating. Sometimes it can be too high. Sometimes it can be too low. It's typically the drop in hormones and then um, low progesterone too. You're not going to be sleeping as well. So that's going to add to it. So in my practice, I do a lot of, and I, Tony does as well, a lot of hormone balancing with lifestyle changes, various herbs, which we talk about in other episodes. I use bioidentical hormone cream. Um, if needed as well. So these can really reduce the frequency and severity of, of migraines as well. Absolutely. And also, yeah, also thinking about the environmental exposure to xenoestrogens through plastics and pesticides, that's going to throw off your hormonal imbalance and contribute to uh, migraines as well. Absolutely. And especially even, you know, those people who do experience the um, the headaches that they know that weather is a trigger or pressure changes are a trigger, or again, the Chinook winds here in Calgary or Southern Alberta is a trigger. Um, I've found time and time again with my patients that when we do some of that cleanup of, you know, the foods that we eat, um, the uh, chemical exposures that we have when um, managing hormone imbalances, when we do that work, um, then we're less sensitive to those weather and pressure changes. For sure, for sure. So it's like investing in your health and trying to be preemptive as much as possible because those triggers, we can't control the pressure changes, but we can control what's called our terrain. We can control what's called our miasm. So how our body can potentially respond to that. And you were talking about different, you know, food triggers. You can even think about, you know, nitrates can be a big trigger for people found in deli meats and hot dogs, like anything, you know, preserved foods, if you will, food additives like MSG, those can still be in a lot of chips that you buy, um, certain takeout foods, for example. So you really need to read the label. And I think I've even seen them in dry roasted peanuts too. So (laughs) So really check your label and things that you wouldn't expect it to be in, right? So um, for sure, I've I've seen it in like um, packaged curries, um, you know, uh, 
for sure that that you know that you can pick up at the at the grocery store um you know again the idea of like sugar and even especially even artificial sweeteners if we're thinking about you know brain inflammation um and and impacts on on nerves and nervous and, and our nervous system those artificial sweeteners can definitely um interfere and and cause damage that way Really good point. And those became really in vogue in the 80s, 90s. And, you know, migraine incidents probably went up with that. So it's really looking at, you know, what is impacting it and anything fake, our body just doesn't know how to handle and there can be more of that inflammation. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and, you know, it is important to kind of look at your alcohol intake, caffeine, um, blood sugar balance that we've talked before, you know, we've talked at, we've definitely talked before about blood sugar balance and, you know, episode 10 and 15 and 16. So um, those are can be good episodes to kind of review if, if um, you want to look at, at that aspect of um, potential migraine and, and headache causes too. And this time of the year, some people are big allergy sufferers, and it's a bad year for allergies. A lot of people are saying to me, geez, I'm outside, I'm sneezing, I'm, you know, have a tickle and I cough. I'm worried people are going to think I'm sick, but they really have bad allergies and there can be that sinus congestion too. So that also needs to be addressed. That can be addressed by um, looking at leaky gut and helping to heal that. So revisit episode eight if you haven't listened to that. You know, there's natural antihistamines too that you can take in supplement forms such as quercetin, for example, um, reducing damp promoting foods like dairy, sugar, gluten, alcohol, bananas can help reduce some of that congestion and phlegm. Acupuncture can be good. So that may be that trigger for you. And if there's that congestion, when there's a pressure change or a weather change, that can be um, can make it worse. And then you can have that migraine result. Absolutely. And, you know, like you were mentioning earlier about um, some of the conventional medicine, uh, medication for migraines looks at, um, uh, at acting upon uh, the serotonin receptors. And while, uh, again, it, you know, it, it could be nice just to, again, take a medication and, and look at fixing that, um, looking at uh, a more natural approach gives, you know, a, a wider range of being able to really get down to um, correcting any imbalances and, and preventing them in the future too. Um, so especially if um, there are, you know, anyone who has a tendency um, to have mood imbalance, mood disorders, depression, um, looking at um, impacting those serotonin receptors in a more uh, in a natural way with uh, and supporting brain health um, with uh, with different supplementation can be helpful like you you mentioned with your mom using fish oil um, but there's even using um, things like 5-HTP melatonin um, other natural anti-inflammatories like ginger um, butterbur you know again feverfew like I uh, used in the past as well is is an option and definitely you know, things like acupuncture um, on a regular basis or as acute a treatment, especially when it's available, may not be available for you now, but something to definitely consider in the future. 
For sure. Yeah, those are all good treatment options. And again, it's not a one size fits all. You may need hormonal support. You may need acupuncture as well as some anti-inflammatories. And then looking at those lifestyle changes that Dr. Tony talked about. So your bucket's not overflowing. You're eating well. You're dealing with stress. You're asking for help. You're saying no. Um, Those are all really important as well. Yeah. And as much as it can, again, take uh, some time to figure out the right fit for you. Um, you know, the the results can be so profound and so um, and, and just so complete that it can make more sense in the long term than look at taking a medication or to use together to really piece out the puzzle altogether and and get relief really in the long term. For sure. Yeah. You want to do, you know, what's best for your body. Your body's telling you something, something's Mm -hmm. out of balance. So what Mm -hmm. is that? Because, you know, yeah, you can take a medication and maybe it'll address some of the components, but you know, if you're not addressing inflammation, yeah, you might not be getting the inflammation from the migraine because you're taking the naproxen or whatever it is, but you'll have potentially, you know, damage from the medication and then the inflammation can show up down the road or in other parts of your body. So it's looking at addressing it um, at the cause, at the root cause as much as possible. Yeah. So I hope this, this uh, you know, what we've talked about gives people hope out there um, who may think, okay, I've, I've tried everything, but nothing works. Um, there are still, uh, again, uh, lots of different pieces to look at. And, and again, if, if you need any support or guidance, um, you know, as naturopathic doctors, that would be, you know, somewhere to, to turn to, to get that guidance to help you through all of those ins and outs and, and different systems that could be um, impacting uh, your headaches and migraines. Definitely. We can share a migraine diary. It might not help you, but it has helped so, like many of my patients, but not everyone can pinpoint exactly what's going on. So we'll share that in the show notes at perimenopausalmamas.com. Um, and you can start to track if you haven't done that already. It's a useful experience, experiment anyway, just to see you know what you're eating, how much water you're drinking, etc. So we'll we'll share that. And then I think we're ready to... Yeah, it's definitely a good first step for people to do, Lisa. Absolutely. Yeah, to have that awareness about what are you doing for your health. Yeah. Um, Great. Well, thank you so much, Tony, for sharing what you've gone through and what's helped you. I think that's really going to be valuable to a lot of listeners out there. You know, there, there's so many women who are suffering and 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 don't have to, and and that's where um, you know it's it's nice to be able to um, provide kind of some inspiration and and to let pe- women out there know that you know you're not alone and we're here to help. For sure. No, that's yeah. great. Thanks, Tony. Yeah. And I think uh, this week you have a super mom moment that you'd like to share. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's uh, it's it's been interesting because uh, you know, um, with my daughter Frankie, we've we've had a a, a little princess potty in our bathroom for months now. Just her grandma brought it, and and so we just kind of sat it there and we thought, okay, I don't know what to do with this. Let's just put it in the bathroom. And so off and on, she's just been using it. So we're 
we're kind of going through an unofficial potty training right now. Um, but it's just like, uh, you know, it, it's just been fantastic when, uh, when we've just been really open to, uh, to kind of uh, open to having her come into the bathroom when I'm using the bathroom and, and even when her daddy's using the bathroom so that um, she knows that, you know, using the toilet is a, a natural thing to do. And, and I think it's even, you know, a win for the fact that um, she had been going to, to day home and, and been exposed to other kids who were going through that as well. And, and so, uh, so yeah, it, it feels great. It, it feels like a real win for her to, to just kind of naturally um, be interested in doing it. I, I know that it's not always easy for some kids. So I feel like it, it's a, a real kind of super mom moment and, and maybe super dad moment too, uh, for, for her to be uh, using it now. Amazing. I love that. If you can share with the listeners how old Frankie is, because a lot of people don't know. Oh, yeah, because she's not two yet. She's she's going to be um, two, uh, you know, we're about uh, over a month away from her second birthday. So the fact that she's interested in it before two years of age, it almost kind of surprised me and, and almost kind of, um, you know, I, I was just it found it so unexpected. So it's it's been really fantastic. It's been fun. That's amazing. That's the way, you know, you want it to happen where it's not like a three-day intensive rip off the diapers. They're going to go all over the house kind of thing. This is like, she's showing interest. You have the potty there. She's seeing you guys go. So I love that. So fingers crossed she's out of diapers soon and then, you know, save some more money, save the environment and save that those diaper nice. changes. Yeah, <laughs> That would be really nice. <laughs> Great job, Tony. Oh, thanks. <laughs> so Lisa, I know you're doing an awesome job with uh, with Stuart right now, especially at home. But do you have a mom mess up for to share with us? Today? I do. So we have um, haven't been as regular with snacks. I think like Stuart's eating a lot more at mealtime, which is a good sign. So maybe he doesn't need snacks, but I still think he's getting so much activity that if he doesn't get it, there's a potential for meltdown, right? So it can change any time. So mm-hmm. yesterday we had a Skype um, call with my in-laws and it was about, I guess it was five o'clock and we hadn't given Stewart a snack. He just hadn't shown any interest. So just as we were starting the Skype call, he went to the cupboard and he grabbed the chocolate chips. We have those enjoy life dark chocolate chips, you know, still not healthy, but healthier options we're using in cookies and muffins and things. So he, you know, said, oh, can I have some chocolate chips? And we were just about to start the call. So I said, okay, I'll put a few in a little container for you, you know, keep them a little bit distracted so we can have a bit of a conversation with my in-laws. So I didn't give him too much, but he hadn't eaten anything since lunch. So he wolfed them down. And honestly, it seemed like within two minutes, he was bouncing off the walls. So he was (laughs) running back and forth on the main floor. He was running up to the computer and going to my in-laws. And I think they were kind of shocked. I think they were secretly happy they saw me give him chocolate because I think sometimes they may feel we're depriving him because we don't give him all the typical kid treats. He doesn't know any different. If he asks for something, we'll most likely, you know, give it to him or offer him. But it's not like we said, oh, it's your, you know, first birthday, you need to have cake and ice cream. <laughs> so we tried <laughs> to have, you know, healthier versions and not introduce sugar too early. So they're probably secretly happy that I was giving him some chocolate, but then to see the effects of the sugar that quickly, I think was, you know, it interrupted the call when I thought it might have 
distracted him and helped the call. So that was my mom mess up. Whoops. <laughs> well, and now you know how he will react to sugar and chocolate. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, that's the first time he's had it not in something or with something else. So just amazing how quick the effects take take place. So oh, that's anyway, amazing. Learn my I know lesson. that Oh, there! It's a good lesson to learn, and and I know that uh, I've uh, I've had experiences, and I've heard stories of of similar experiences with me and chocolate. So, I definitely, <laughs> I feel for you, Lisa. <laughs> and so, I, I guess this week I'll share my mama must have. Um, since we're all you know home, we're not going to the gym. We're able to get out for walks, but we're still social distancing. I'm really grateful that I have basically like a home gym. So I have equipment in my clinic. I work in my house. So in my basement, I have a clinic set up. And in the closet down here, I have an exercise ball. I have five and 10 pound free weights, my yoga mat, some exercise bands. So I'm really grateful to have that. And then using the different online workouts so I can do different types of workouts. So I don't get bored using the ball, the free weights, you know, working in some bar, uh, workouts, Pilates, etc. So I'm really happy to have the space and the equipment to be able to still stay active. It's a great way for me to start my day. I do that first thing in the morning. I usually get up about 530. I try to go to bed by nine. I know I'm a bit of a loser. <laughs> and I need to get my workout in and a bit of yoga and stretching. But that really sets the tone for my day. I've done something for myself before giving to Stuart, before giving to um, patients or to my work, which I love doing, but I just like starting the day off that way and filling up my cup. That's awesome. And again, just, you know, some simple pieces of equipment, nothing, nothing too, too big, too major, but it sounds like you have a lot of good options for, again, getting in that exercise and moving your body. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, Sounds like a great way to start the day. Oh, thanks. (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining us today. We really uh, appreciate you listening to uh, this episode. If you have any comments or suggestions or questions, um, you know, please contact us. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. You can visit our website, perimenopausalmamas.com for the show notes um, to review kind of what we talked about today. We would love you to subscribe and, um, you know, leave us a review and a five-star rating if you enjoyed this episode. And you know, don't forget to tell your perimenopausal mama friends about us too. Have a safe and healthy week, everyone. Take care.